This week on Champion Church Fort Worth, the podcast. Dane Hampton continues our series on how to survive the end of the world by detailing snapshots of Revelation. The book of Revelation is so dense and complex, it can be difficult to teach and understand. Through the method of expounding upon these small snapshots of the text, we as a learning audience are more capable of better digesting its message. Here's Dane. kids school was closed on Friday because 15% of their their uh, population or whatever student enrollment there you go was sick so it was closed Friday to clean and de whatever louse everything or whatever you call it I'm not sure yeah it detox everything mom said um, so there's lots of people that are ill today so we're gonna lift them up today and pray for them too but um, you know I was asked to, to preach today I feel like this thing's right in my face. It doesn't work, but um, we, we, I was asked to preach today, and we're going to continue with Revelation, okay? So if you guys want to get started, you can turn to Revelation chapter 1 in the Bible, and you know, when I, um, when I told Canaan, Canaan asked me, my daughter, my oldest daughter, was sitting down, we were watching the Mavericks get stomped last night, and um, she, she said I was typing up some stuff and going over my sermon notes and reading some stuff about Revelation, and and uh, she said, you know, what are you preaching on? And I said, well, uh, uh, we're going doing a Revelation series. I'm preaching on Revelation. And, and she was like, wow, oh, gosh, they didn't give you something easy to preach on, did they? And I was like, I said, well, you know, it's, it's actually a very interesting thing to go over, a topic to go over. But many, many people don't preach on Revelation because it has so much, um, you know, um, things in it that you have to interpret. And it can take a long time to interpret those things, right? And um, it can be very confusing if you're if you're reading everything very literal and trying to interpret every single thing and what it is. And, and um, we're not going to do that today. We're gonna we're gonna take uh, if I keep bumping this, it's okay. I score points every time. Um, we uh, we gonna we're gonna show what's called a. Do you have these things? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. So we're, what we're gonna do today is what's called a snapshot of Revelation. So I'm going to take different snapshots out of Revelation. We're not going to look at the entirety. I'm not going to be able to explain every single symbolism and everything that it means because it would just take way too long. You'd have to take a whole class to do all those things. But we're going to take snapshots. And at the end, um, we're going to really understand what Revelation is saying to us, okay? So, you know, what is a snapshot? Now, a snapshot can show where a person has been, and where they are going. Now, many of you guys have snapshots on thing, on Facebook all day long, right? Snapshots, this is me in the morning. This is me eating lunch. This is me when I'm getting ready. This is me doing the, you, got, you take snapshots of your whole day. And, you know, some, especially our kids, y'all see them do that. Um, you know, that's why I don't, luckily I don't have any of my kids on Facebook yet. And I don't have to see that all the time. But uh, eventually they'll be old enough and they'll get on these things. But, you know, we take snapshots, my wife said probably not, we take snapshots of our daily life, it shows where we've been and sometimes where we're going, right? So i got some examples of some snapshots, and Payne's going to throw them up there. Now let's look at this snapshot, y'all say, who's this? This is my dad and my daughter and my mom. That's my mom right there. Can you snapshot of my sister, not my daughter, my bad. Yeah, that's my sister Linnea, that's not me. Okay, although I, I would look cute in pigtails, but um, that's not me. So that's a snapshot of, of my family's life at one time. Let's see the next one. Now, who's this one? 
Peyton and Kimberly. Oh, now when we look at these, we think about where they've been and where they're going. You know, looking at that picture, you think those are going to be youth pastors one day, right? <laughs> right? And they're so young there. Wow, look at Peyton. All right, next. Who's this? Is <laughs> <laughs> the middle one's you, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was going to be, though you look at this picture and you think she's going to be a ballerina one day, right? Yeah, that's that's the Valdez sisters right there. That's your pastor, Nicole, right in the middle, sporting the ballerina outfit. All right, who's next? Hold up, one second. That's the Incredible Hulk, the back side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. back right here. Give it, just a Give it a second. Green. All right, so, oh, oh my gosh, there's one. Now, these are just, this is, uh, this is on the left. Your pastor Sam. Now I know when y'all look at that picture of him, you think he's gonna pastor material, right? <laughs> right? That's what you're thinking. You're all thinking he's pastor material. And then the the guy kneeling down with the brooding face is Mark Stewart, our guitarist over here. And then uh, there there's me. And then the other guy below, his name's Rick. He was a lead singer in our band. So this was when we were in our twenties, and uh, you know. Things often change, right, <laughs> after time. All right, next one. All right, now this is me and Adrian, my wife, when we were 15, I don't know, 16, 17, I don't know, something like that. And uh, this is in our yearbook. So that's, that's you know, you look there and you see, you can see where you've been. And then, you know, sometimes you get a glimpse of where you're going, right? All right, what else do we have here? All right, this is me when I visited Venice Beach, right? <laughs> And I was working out, you know, we got to go, when you travel, we work out some. All right, what's next? All right, this is me at the Oscars, right? Okay, everybody, you know, I visited the Oscars. You see where you go? That's my buddy Brad Pitt up top, right? All right, who's next? All right, this is me when I was, uh, what is not Rambo, right? Commando, Commando. Commando, okay, yes, that's me as Commando. That was in my acting days, right? Hold on one second. It's One coming. More, I think, it's coming. Yep. There we go. Oh, okay. And that's me. I'm running from a crash, apparently. <laughs> yeah, that was, I was like, ooh, that was bad. Do we have any more? Is that the last one? That's it. Okay, so you see a snapshot, right? These are just fun little snapshots of our life. These are things that were in my Facebook. And um, I just pulled them out. You can look back. It's fun to look back at old pictures, isn't it? And see, you know, where you were and things that have happened. But, you know, what we're going to do here is we're going to look at some snapshots in Revelation, and we're going to see um, what the Lord is saying to us about the past, present, and future. Amen? Okay, so let's look at the first one. Now, the first snapshot that we will see in Revelation is an accurate view of Jesus. Now, Jesus is often overlooked when people talk about Revelation, okay? You'll hear all this stuff about the beast and and the, the serpent and the scorpions and the horns and the fires and all, you, right? I mean, that's what you think when you think about Revelation. But really, Revelation is about Jesus. And let me prove that to you. Revelation 1, verse 1. The first words, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So it's pretty clear right off the bat. Right? Now everybody forgets that little section there and they go on to all the other stuff. But the very first, right off the bat, Revelation tells us what Revelation is about. This is what it's about. It's about the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. 
And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John. The first five words, the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's important to note. Revelation is not about just future and past and all these things. It's about Jesus. It's about revealing Jesus to us. In fact, revelation itself means unveiling, unveiling, unveiling. There you go. But it's going to show us things we don't know about our past, present, and future, but more so about Jesus, okay? So I just want us to take that with us today. The revelation, when somebody asks you, I don't understand revelation, it's not clear to me. The best thing you can tell them is revelation is about Jesus Christ. That's what it's about, okay? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, one day we will see him, it says in Revelation 1 through 8, look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and... All peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Listen, one day we will see him. But my question today is, who do you see Jesus being in your life right now? Who is he right now to you? And that's an important question because, listen, to some people, Jesus is this Santa Claus that we ask things from and we hope to get, okay? And then some people, Jesus is this Terminator who tells us all these things to do, but because we fall short and we're just so sinful, he's just going to destroy us and cast us away, and we're not worthy. And then for some people, Jesus is this bestie, right, this best friend. And that's great that Jesus is your, if you're, he's your best friend, but listen, the, the, what we want to get is an accurate description of who Jesus is. And Jesus isn't just your friend. Because what happens when your friend comes to you and tells you something truthful about yourself that you don't like? All of a sudden, you think, he was never my true friend. Right? But Jesus will be truthful with us. So he can't just be your bestie. Right? Jesus has to be your king. And that's the true description of what Jesus is to us and should be in our lives. He should be our king. It's great when he's your friend. It's great when he's your provider and your comforter and your healer and all these things that Jesus is to us. But he is our king. And we have to see him as that because it's important that when Jesus comes to us and gives us truth and tells us something about our lives, we actually want to listen to him and follow him. Right? And that happens when somebody's your king. But it might not happen when he's just your friend. Right? Then maybe we might listen if it lines up with what we're doing, right? Listen, we will never discover what Jesus wants from us unless we discover who he is to us. I'll say it again. We will never discover what he wants for us if, unless we know who he is to us. If you want to know uh, Jesus' will for your life, you must first know who he is. Who he is to you. He is our king. He doesn't just give us what we want. What we want. He gives us what we need. He isn't here to destroy us. He's here to look after us. He wants to love us. He isn't just a friend to us that we can forget if we didn't like something. No. He, He commands truth in our lives for us to follow. Amen. For our good. For our betterment. Because he loves us and he's concerned about us. Listen, according to scripture, uh, Peyton, if you could place that, that screenshot. 
about what Jesus is in the scripture. In John, it says these many different things. It says, I am the true vine. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. These are seven I am statements of Jesus in John. This is Jesus, who Jesus should be to us. He should be all these things to us. Let's read in Revelations 1, 12 through 17. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair in his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in his all its brilliance. Listen, half of y'all just didn't hear anything I said, right? Because that's how Revelation reads, and that's what I'm talking about. You just tuned out, because studies show that our attention span of an average adult is less than a goldfish. I read that last night. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, right? So I read all this, and half of you just zoned out. What are we having for lunch today? I don't even. But listen, what comes next is what I want you to hear. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys to death and hell. That's the important thing. Jesus holds the keys to death and hell. Revelation is about Jesus. It's about what Jesus is doing and has done for us. There, there's many other things in Revelation that we can read, but that's what we have to take with us, is a, is a better understanding of who Jesus is in our life and who the Bible is telling us Jesus is to us and should be to us. Amen? All right, the second snapshot is the confirmation of God's Word. It says in John 5, 24, Most assuredly I say to you, He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed away from death into life. Listen to me. Jesus loves you with a relentless love. He loves every person out in this world with a relentless love. Something we don't really comprehend. Maybe until we have kids and then you kind of get a picture of what a relentless love is. You know, a, a love that, that's never failing, no matter what they do, right? And you start getting a picture of that, but Jesus loves us with that relentless love, right? How many of you guys know what relentless means, right? Yeah, listen, we can be relentless about many things, right? Well, there was a time on Facebook that there was this picture I think it was on Facebook and it was of a dress and many of y'all might have seen it I think even Pastor Samuel preached on something they used it one time and it was a dress and it was like gray and blue right but there were people that saw it gold and black right gold and white y'all remember okay so right so I'm sitting there and Adrian's like on Facebook like she does at night she's sitting there and she's like giggling and I'm like I'm kind of trying to ignore the giggles but she's giggling and you're just looking at stuff and I'm like what? What is it? You know, because when somebody's giggling, you need to know. Even though I didn't really want to know, I was doing something else, but I wanted to know because I want to know why she's giggling. And so she's like, look at this thing on Facebook. It's just different colors and 
what do you see? And I said, it's blue and black. She says, no, it's gold and whatever. Gold and white. I'm like, no, it's not. It's blue and black, right? And so we argue back and forth. It, it's not gold, Adrian. It's blue and black. I'm telling her, you just can't see color. You're just colorblind. You know what I'm telling her? This, this is not, it's not. Because I couldn't imagine that it was different to somebody else. Because I didn't see it that way, right? So I was relentlessly just saying, no, you, there's something wrong with your eyes. You know, we need to pray for deliverance. Let me get some, some spit in some dirt, rub it on your eyes like Jesus did. Be healed, praise Jesus, and you can see the blue and black dress. But then guess what? Like the next day, I turn on my phone and I click on um, the internet and it pops up Yahoo immediately, right? And you know how Yahoo has that little scroll screen, screen up top and it like scrolls every three seconds to the next thing? Right, so I click on it, and what's the first thing that's there? The dress. And what color do I see? Gold. I see gold right then, and then it changes for three seconds, and I was like, what? And I switch it back, and I saw blue and black. For three seconds, I saw it in gold. I don't know why. It was like my, because something was just that quick little snapshot, I saw it just like my wife saw it. And then I believed her. Not that I didn't believe her, but I could see, right? I could really understand it. Listen, we don't totally understand the relentless love that Jesus has for us. We can't really fathom it until we totally get it one day. But Jesus is relentlessly after us. He's pursuing us, the Bible says. And and he wants uh, us to come to him and to be with him. And so it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes... And him who sent me has everlasting life, and I shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Listen, God is relentless in confirming his word to us. He will repeat things over and over and over sometimes, just so we get it. So seven times in Revelation, get this, God repeats himself. Okay, He says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So Revelation is is teaching us about Jesus, but he's saying seven times within it, he who has an ear, let him hear, everybody say hear, hear, what the Spirit says to the churches. So he's telling you he wants us to hear him, okay? Throughout this whole message, it's very confusing in Revelation, but he wants us to hear him. He wants us to hear him. We can't hear God. The funny thing is we can't hear God if all we hear is ourselves. Right? And that's the truth. Listen, have you ever been in a car with four kids? If not, you can come home, with, you know, drive home with me or wherever today, and you can discover the joy that is having four kids in a car. But we just traveled uh, many times to different locations, and we have four kids in the back seat of the car, and every kid wants you to hear what they have to say. And everyone, it's so important, right? Everything they have to say is so important. And my wife and I are trying to talk, but we can't get a sentence out without getting interrupted, screaming, fighting, yelling. You know, I'm just like, I'm going to pull over it. You know, I'm just on the inside, I'm screaming, I'm freaking out. I'm like, just quiet, quiet. I'm like, so I'm like, let's play the quiet game. And then Jericho can't ever play the quiet game. You know, he's like, all right, you lose. You know, I guess he just immediately starts talking. And Maddox can't, I love sweet Maddox, he can't go three seconds without talking, literally. 
Like it just burns inside of me. And, and so, you know, whatever my wife and I have to say is not important to that kid at that time. It's whatever they want and whatever they need, right? Even though what we're talking about might be the most important thing, because we're, I am driving the car, and we are going wherever we talk about, right? Listen, Jesus is driving the car, and if we are so busy in the back seat worrying about our agenda, we can't listen and decide where we're supposed to go with him, where he's taking us. Yes. Right? It's so difficult, let me tell you. And I can prove that to you today. Um, listen, will God mess up your agenda? That's what we have to ask ourselves. What is our agenda today? Hopefully our agenda is doing what God has asked us to do. God is trying to get us to hear. And are we listening? That's part two. Alright, snapshot three. Listen, it's 11.19. Oh, I still got some time, okay? It's got about an hour and a half left, right? Uh, snapshot three. The stewardship, we are three of seven, in case you're keeping notes. Three of seven. The last three in it go pretty quickly, so don't worry. If we're getting kind of close towards the end, we can go real fast at the end, okay? Snapshot three. The stewardship of what we are given. Now listen, this is important because Pastor Sam just talked about um, last week about when we place things before the Lord and, and the fire burns it all up. Remember, what's burnt up won't matter. We won't take with us. But what's left is what we what our reward is, right? Remember, he talked about that last week. Now listen to me. Um, Christians appear before the throne of God and will receive their reward or they will have no reward, right? Depending on what we do with this life. In 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says... For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. In Revelation 4, there are 24 elders, 12 leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles. Okay, And their reward is described as a crown. Okay, And each of them have a crown. And the Bible talks about five crowns that you can receive in rewards for this life. I'm not going to go into all those crowns, but I want to, to read this part of Scripture. And it says, Revelation 4, 10 through 11, The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Listen to me. Can you imagine standing before the Creator in the throne of God and you have no crown to cast before Him? Because what we did with our life, with our time, our gift, our money, everything the Lord gave us was used for ourselves. I can't imagine that because I don't want that to happen. I want to go before the Lord and say, Lord, I did everything I could with what you gave me. I gave you all I had. Every bit of it, everything I had I gave to you, it was yours anyways because you gave it to me to steward. And I gave it back to you, Lord. And Lord, here is the crown, the reward, and I cast it before you. That is what I want one day. I don't want to sit there and everything that I put in front gets burned up. Man, that won't be a great day. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. I'm going to heaven. But man, what did I do with my life while I was here? The Lord gave us a life that is precious. It's precious. And he gave us time. He gave us giftings. He gave us family and friends and people in our lives. And he gave us money. And he gave us possessions and things. What are we doing with those 
Are we just going about our lives, living it like we want to? Are we using what we have for the body of Christ? Are, do you have a gift inside of you that you can use for this body and this church? Because I know you do, because the Bible tells me that you do. Listen, I look back on previous years in this stage, right? And I sent a picture to Camberley because it was like two years ago what the stage looked like. And it was bare. It was empty. What has happened since then is that we've had numerous people come to this church that have giftings and talents and abilities that have said, look, I want to work on the stage design team. And I want to come here on Saturdays and Fridays and midnight to 3 4 in the morning and I want to work at uh, my house and, and do all these things or work at Sam's house or wherever we're working and I want to be a part of this because I have an ability to do something for the Lord and I don't want to just use it in this world but I want to use it for him and then the difference between what we do now and what we do then it did then was not, is night and day and it's awesome and it's awesome because people are using their talents for the house of God that God gave them the talent Four, what talent do you have and how can you use it? Because we need it. The church needs you. You are here for a reason. Every single one of you are here for a reason. You have a gifting. Give it because it will bless your neighbor next to you. Okay? I don't know about y'all, but when I come in here, the work that the people put in on this blesses me. And I think, wow, man, somebody loves this house. Because they're working hard for it. The work that people put in in hospitality blesses me because I think, man, somebody cares about the people that come in here. The kids' trip ministry, all these ministries that we have, the people that work in them, you are important because you're blessing the house and you're blessing the people with your talents and abilities. Amen? Amen. Listen, number three is the stewardship of what we were given. You will be held accountable, we all will, for what we were given in this world and how we use it. Let's use it for the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, let's go on to the next one. Snapshot four, a packed house. We count people because people count. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to see the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the earth of the age. We are called to make disciples and to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. If you ever question what your calling is, oh, I just don't know. I don't know what God's calling me to do. What is he calling me to do? You are called to disciple people and to baptize them in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, how do we do that? Well, one, invest in people and invite them to church. That's one way you can do it. If you bring one person in here, that can lead just that one day can lead to somebody being baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, somebody, my mom's best friend, she grew up with, and, and my friend, uh, the best friend that I grew up with, Matt, that usually sits over there, um, he, uh, his mom came to church one night, a couple, I mean, last year, we had a night of worship, okay? And it, it was, um, really, it was a night of worship, and it was like a, was it Friday night? Friday night, maybe? And um, there just weren't that many people here, okay, there, to be honest. There was like Pastor Cliff and Judy and my mom at the start and just a couple other folks. And 
wasn't really packed. And I remember Sam saying, thank you, Mom, Dad, for coming tonight. And, uh, you know, it, but it was a great night. Listen, let me explain why. It doesn't matter how many people showed up because her friend showed up because we had invited her. Okay. And she came to that night of worship. And she had never been to our church, not one time, and I don't even know if she had been to church. I have no idea. Um, but she came that one time, and then afterwards, she told my mom that she, she had heard about the baptismal coming up, and she wanted to be baptized. That's awesome, guys. That day we baptized uh, her, Matt, um, her sister, or, yeah, and their son, I think. And I, it was, I was crying up here. It's awesome. Listen, when you invest and invite people, even if you don't think they'll come, just man, invest into people. Talk to people about the Lord. And if you know, it doesn't mean that you have to get them saved. Just try to get them to come where we can try to minister to them and talk to them. They can know the love of the Lord, and, and the Lord can change their life. And he can eventually, if all we did was ask somebody to show up, and then they brought their family and got baptized. Amen? That's awesome. That's what your calling is. That's what we're called to do. But it starts with each and every one of you going out there into the field and pulling in the harvest and bringing them to this house. Or to any house, but to this house so that we can tell them about the good news that is Jesus Christ. Disciple them and get them baptized. Amen? That's the calling. That's what we're trying to do. Listen, we want a packed house today. I was watching this video. Because here's the problem. Um, some of us just, and sometimes me even, we just don't like people. You know? <laughs> just to be honest. You know, I mean, think of it. You know, I, don't, man, I don't really want to talk to that person. I don't want to, and, you know, it's, it's a struggle now. Especially now we have iPhones and iPads and I, I everything. There's no we or us's, right? It's all eyes, 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 me. We get on Facebook and all this insta, instant media, and it's like, all right, I'm going to invite my friend. I'm going to invite him on Facebook, you know, and all these things. But there's no personal connection anymore, right? We have a whole young generation growing up through a computer, through a screen, you know, Skyping people and, and, and stuff like that, and texting and not really talking to anybody or really loving on anybody. And this is a problem. Let me tell you, I was watching something on, on uh, YouTube or some video, some comedian. He was talking about... Um, uh, what it's like now, what it was like then when somebody comes to your house. And if you all have seen this comedian, it's pretty funny. And he was talking about how, you know, back in the day when people would come and they would ring your doorbell, right? And you were sitting on the couch and you would shoot up and be like, everybody would run to the door and you'd all run to the door and you'd get excited. We have company, right? Somebody is here. And it's going to be awesome. We're going to sit and tell stories and all this stuff. And you'd open the door and you'd like, come in! My friend, you know, come in and you sit down and you throw food out in the best china. Everybody had china. Who had china now? I have chinette. Right? I don't have any china. And, and then you, you throw everything at him. Let me get you something to drink. You want some coffee? I've made a cake. I've made food. i got some leftover lasagna. Let me bring it out. You know, whatever it is. You have company. Everybody's excited. The kids are running down. Oh, my gosh. Their kids are here. Let's go play. We're running out in the yard. And we're having fun. Right? Now what happens today? You're sitting on the couch. That doorbell rings. You jump on the ground. You hide behind the couch. Everybody runs out. What was that? What was that? It's the doorbell. Hide. Hide. Adrian, go look and see who it is. I'm not going to look and see who it is. Go see who it is. Jericho, go look and see who it is. He looks 
It's Uncle Samuel! <laughs> Hide! <laughs> Listen, today when somebody shows up, you don't want to answer the door. I had a friend tell me the other day, if somebody comes to visit me, I don't ever answer the door. If they didn't call me, I don't know them. Right? I'm not answering it. And a lot of us are jaded because you answer the door and it's somebody trying to sell you something or, or whatever. And, you know, or the neighbor saying something. Or, who knows? I don't know. But we just don't want that personal reaction anymore, right? We want to hide from it. But we got to get past that, guys. You know, um, you know who's really good at that? Pastor Cliff. Man, Pastor Cliff will walk up to somebody the first time he meets them and he's like, hey, do you know Jesus? You know, just right off the bat, and he just cuts right through it, right? He just, doesn't he? He does that. And listen, people get saved, and he prays for people. They'll, they'll, Pastor Cliff and Judy walk through the mall, and they'll just pray for people. And it's amazing. You have to be able to get past our own insecurities and issues with dealing and talking with people, and we have to really invest in people and talk to them. I mean, I can do it myself. I have a whole team of people at work that I spend eight hours or more a day with, and I am responsible for them, yet I'm on my computer most of the time because I'm doing work. But I have to find, break myself away from that to go talk to these people and talk to them about their life, you know, because that's what the Lord has placed me there for, right? So we have to find an opportunity to go invest in people and talk to them because we count people in this church because people count, all right? It, it's not just, you know, there, there was a time when people would say, man, I just want a small church. These big churches, are, they don't, they're just wanting to be big and make money and all this stuff. No, it's about people getting saved and delivered and baptized in the name of Christ. Right. So bring everybody in. Listen, it says in Luke, or let's see, Luke, yeah, 14.23, Then the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges, and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Go compel them to come in that my house may be filled. And listen, it talks in the Bible about a, a, a certain ruler throwing a party. And he says, go invite all these people and tell them, basically like kind of the, 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 the rich, wealthy type people. Tell them about the party. Come on. Every single one of them had an excuse. You know, I'm getting married. I've got to go. I bought this land. i got to go check out this and that. And they all had an excuse, and they said they couldn't come. And so then he came back, and then the ruler said to him, Okay, go out into the streets and everywhere else and invite everyone you see that my house may be full. And that's what this is from. Listen, it's about everybody. It's about everybody. And the people that say no, go on to the next one. And then go on to the next one. Until somebody says yes, and they come, and they get saved, and they get baptized. Like my mom's friend did. Amen? Amen? That's what the Lord's looking for. It says in Revelation 7, 9, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number. Listen, we hear all these stories about, you know, the broad way is the way that leads to destruction, and narrow is the path, right? But it says in Revelation that there will be a great multitude. A great multitude, which no one can number. So that means somebody tried to count, right? <laughs> you know, one, two, three, carry the four, carry the two, <laughs> carry the one. You know, they ran out of fingers and toes, and eventually nobody could count them. That's how many people were going to go to heaven. All right? We want to be part of that, right? We want to go get the fish and bring them in. All right, our goal should be that every single person in this southwest area 
has the most difficult time of anywhere to go to hell. That should be our goal. That this whole area, we should blanket as much as possible and try to make it impossible for anybody to go to hell because we have talked to every single person we can. That's what our goal needs to be. And if we run out of space in here, that's fine. We'll have one, two, three, four services. We'll keep them going. We'll branch out and go somewhere else. We will grow however big you guys will bring people in. The Lord will grow us. He will provide us a place to go for whatever number we bring in. He will. I promise you. All right, snapshot number five, the final proclamation. Now, this is the final proclamation of the gospel. In Revelation 14, 6-7, it says, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him who made heaven and earth and sea. And the sea and the springs of water. Listen, this is the last, this is important to know because in Revelation, here's the last time in the Bible that people are given a chance to repent. This is the last time. Because after this comes the scary part for people that don't repent. Okay, so let's get a picture in Revelation here. This is the very last time that the Lord will give us the opportunity to repent. Give all the people out here that are going to hell without Jesus an opportunity to repent. And I told you the last couple of snapshots go fast because right after this one, right after the last opportunity is number six, the wrath of God. In Revelation 16, 1, it says, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. Now, I don't know what that means as far as what the wrath will be, but it doesn't sound good, right? Pouring out bowls of wrath is not something I want to be a part of. It sounds like... Some kind of movie, right? With Rambo in it. I don't want to be there when the wrath bowls are poured out. And I don't think you do either, right? Listen, if you have received Christ, God's wrath fell on Jesus on the cross. Hallelujah. We will not be there. Praise Jesus. I hope everyone in this room is saved. And we realized last week when Pastor Sam preached that Jesus took the wrath of God. He took it for us. And we will not sit there and take the wrath of God at the end of the age. Amen? Yeah. God's wrath is his, his, his unsettling opposition to all that is evil. It's, it's the finish of evil. It's the end. Romans 5.9, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from his wrath through him. Yes. The wrath of God in Revelation destroys all that is wrong and unjust. The scary things about the wrath of God is that it destroys everybody who doesn't know Christ for all of eternity. Now think about that for a second. This is important. Everybody that doesn't know Christ whether they even believe in God or not, whether they even know this to be true or think that this is just silliness, that is the end for them. For all of eternity. All of eternity. And it's on us, God says, to tell them and bring them in. It's on us. But we have to understand, listen, I just believe that if we truly understand and believe that this is the end, the wrath of God will be the end of them for all eternity, them that do not know Christ for all eternity, that we will rise up then and say, I have to save my brother, I have to save my sister by telling them about Jesus and bringing them. 
Because I truly believe and understand that that will be it for them. Once they die here on this earth, or they receive the wrath and the judgment, that's it for eternity. Now, I don't know, I want the words to express, I really do, and I pray for the words to express this to us, so that we could truly grasp, because I just think, man, if we truly understood that, we would be out there every second of every day proclaiming Christ. But why don't we? Why don't we? We get so stuck with life, with other things. But listen, it's because we, we got to truly grasp the finality of what is going to happen to people when they don't know Christ. So I have a video. And this, this video is a bit scary, okay? So I want to show you, not like scary, demon scary, but scary like just crazy scary. And um, hopefully it'll work. Yeah. Because I think it truly shows the finality of what will happen to those or what could happen to those who don't know Christ. Excuse the interruption. Um, here we have a video element that was played for the live congregation that unfortunately can't be included in our audio podcast. So if you wish to see this for yourself, please go to YouTube and search Britain's Got Talent Sword Swallower and select the video called Alexander Magala Risks His Life on the BGT Stage. For those who don't have access to YouTube right now, here's a brief description. Okay, it's an excerpt from the television show Britain's Got Talent. A man takes a long samurai-style sword and pushes it down his throat, almost to the hilt. Then he climbs a pole, which is approximately 12 feet high in the center of the stage. He wraps his legs around the pole and flips himself over, leaving himself dangling face-first with the sword still sticking out of his mouth and with only his legs wrapped around the pole to hold him up. His hands remain at his side, so he's just being held with his legs, and he's upside down, and that sword is still in his body, still sticking in his throat. He holds in this precarious position for a few moments while the audience squirms. Then he quickly slides down the pole, face and sword first, down the pole, stopping just short of the floor, which would shove the sword further into his body and most likely kill him. He then pushes himself off the pole and takes his bowels. Completely safe, he removes the sword. We can now return you to your previously scheduled podcast. All right. I told you it was scary, didn't I? Yeah, listen to me. I, I showed you that because I, I, was try, I don't have the words to express, the finality that that expressed. If that guy did catch himself, he was gone, right? And it wasn't going to be pretty for all to see. That's what's going to happen at God's wrath. And when somebody who doesn't have Christ dies, it's, it's finished. The finality of it. We have to understand that people in this world are plunging to their death with a sword in their mouth. That's the detailed imagery that I want you to get when we walk out there today, tomorrow, the next day. They need you to save them and stop them from hitting bottom. They need you. They need us. To save them. Because Jesus will stop that from happening. We're all we're plunging to that point until he stopped us. Amen? Amen? And now because he stopped us, we won't go there anymore. Now listen, the final snapshot is peace. 
And it says in Revelations 21, 3 through 4, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he who dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things that passed away. That means that every that one day everything will be, be made right. All joy, peace forever. That is what we await in the next life with the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with the Lord forever. Amen. That's what we await. Now, I, I, I prayed to the Lord. I said, Lord, how can I understand that peace? You know, because I don't, I don't think we really get it. And, you know, that night, that very night, my daughter, who never wakes up in the middle of the night, my youngest daughter, Noelle, um, she came like at midnight, knocked on the door, and said, I'm scared, can I lay with y'all in the bed? And I said, well, I'm finishing watching a show, and I was trying to give her an opportunity to go back to bed. I said, go back to bed for 10 minutes. When the show's over, I'll come back and check on you, right? And, you know, I'm hoping she'll fall asleep. And so she goes back to her bed, and she says, okay, and she goes, her bed. And so after the show's over, I go back up and I check on her and I look in and, you know, I thought maybe she was asleep. So I walked out and as I walked down the stairs, she's, daddy. And I look up, she's standing there. Can I come now? You know? And I said, yeah, come on. Come on. So she comes running down the stairs and I pick her up and I take her to our room. And, and, and usually sometimes they lay on the floor on a pallet if they come in, they're scared. And she's like, can I lay with you? And I said, yeah. So I lay her down, and she lays down, and I lay down, and as soon as she hits the pillow, she's, I mean, just snoring, just out, right? And then it dawned on me, the Lord was saying, that's the peace that I'm talking about. When we're with the Father, and all of our fears are wiped away, and we can truly just have peace and rest, that's what Noel felt, amen? Listen, let's all stand today, if we can, because I want to pray. And I want to pray for all of us, for those that are sick. I want to pray for the people out there. And I want us to leave today. If you don't leave with anything else, but I want you to leave today with the understanding that Revelation is about revealing Jesus Christ to us. It's about telling people about the gospel. It's about the finality of the end. And it's about the peace that we will have one day with Christ. Amen. Father Lord, we thank you, God, today. For who you are, God, we thank you that you love us enough to write words, Father, for us to hear, to speak to us into our lives, for us to listen, Lord, for us to follow, God. I pray today that every single person, that image of that person falling with the sword in their mouth will be ingrained in our minds every time we see somebody when the Lord says, go speak to them. No, I don't want to, Lord. Go speak to them and we will remember that person with that sword because that's what that person has. Speak to us this today, Lord, this week, Lord, about who we should talk to, Lord, about who we should invest in, about people to you know, stop us, Lord. Let us be interrupted, God, so that we can go and speak to people. Give us the words to say if we're shy, if we don't know what to do or say. Help us, Father. 
Help us to invite people and bring them in and have a packed house, Lord. Because we know, Father, that you have plans, God, for this house, for this building, for these people, for your people. You have plans for them, God, and you want to pack this house with people, Lord, that we can disciple, Father, that we can baptize in your name so they can go out and get more people. So there will be a multitude of people that are entering in to your kingdom. Amen, Lord. Lord, today I pray for those that are sick. I pray for Pastor Sam, God. Lord, you touch and heal his body. We believe, Father, in Jesus' name, that he will not continue to be ill, Father, Lord, but that you will heal him so that he doesn't have to worry about this issue anymore, Father, Lord. Lord, you are a healer and our provider, God. Lord, we understand who you are today, God. You are our king, Lord. Let your will be done, Father. Lord, if anybody here has not um, asked the Lord to be their personal Savior, I just ask that you raise your hand. Just raise your hand now. Because I don't want you to be that person on that pole falling to their death. And this is your opportunity to say, I'm not sure I've done that. I'm not sure I've asked Jesus Christ to save me. And if you want that today, just raise your hand. Let's all pray together. Father, Lord, I thank you, God, that you died, Jesus, for my sin. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you that you took the wrath of God for me. I thank you that you love me enough, Father, Lord, to do that. Lord, I pray today, Lord, that you come into my life as my Savior, as my King. Not just my friend, Lord, but my Father. And Lord, I pray that you help guide me where I need to be, Lord, from this day forward. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. That's everything for this week. Come back next week for part four in our How to Survive the End of the World series. Have a blessed one.